You are listening to a special Nears.org podcast. This Christmas year-end update is brought to you commercial-free by Cowan, where their success happens when they help you outperform. Visit them at Cowan, C-O-W-E-N.com. Registration is open for our spring 2022 conference in Baltimore, Maryland, April 6th through the 8th. For all things Nears, visit us at Nears.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Jason Seidel from Cowan, your friendly neighborhood transport analyst. I also sit on the board of directors for the uh, Northeast Association of Railroad Shippers uh, with me today. Uh, very pleased to have Thomas Coleman of Shale Rail. Uh, Thomas is going to provide uh, an overview and outlook uh, for the transloading and also a little bit of the intermodal business. And so I figured I'd start off the question. Uh, let's uh, uh, go with the intermodal side, Thomas. What are you guys seeing right now and what are some of the challenges in the marketplaces that your shippers are trying to uh, solve? Hey, well, thanks for having me, Jason. Um, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be tuning in from. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak about some of the uh, better forward-looking uh, topics than what we've kind of covered this past year, which has been a challenge in so many ways. So we are in peak season. You know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas to peak season. <laughs> uh, there's some eggnog in there, which may or may not have a little extra, but uh, I do uh, look forward to 2022. We're seeing a lot of inquiries right now uh, surrounding people's uh, programs and what they're facing. Uh, peak season, it's just that. We are swimming in containers right now, having a uh, pretty successful peak season as we approach Christmas time. Uh, majority is already behind us, but uh, over the last couple of years, we've seen it kind of extend a little bit further into and through January and February. And uh, a lot of what we hear that is from uh, the e-commerce effect, which that's okay by us. We don't mind having those kind of volumes to start the year. Uh, we all know how cyclical the intermodal business is, but um, you know, it's it's been positive. It's not all positive in the sense that some of those challenges still exist uh, as it relates to uh, drayage capacity, um, and the ability to actually execute door-to-door uh, -door service within that three to five to seven day window, which is what we all expect. But due to the congestion and the backlog, I think everybody's accepting uh, a little bit more of um, a delayed delivery. Uh, it's still pretty consistent, but it might not be quite as on time as uh, we would have expected in years past. And what about all the surcharges we've been hearing about? How, how has that gone over the industry and, and how has it changed some of the dynamics between rail and truck? You know, I think it's making people question their program a little bit more. And we sit in a unique space uh, as a third party in this particular segment of the supply chain. Uh, you know, over the last decade or, or almost two decades, we've had a huge influence of uh, third party logistics influence um, people's ability to deliver. And whether it's FOB or price to the door, I mean, it, there's a variety of methodologies. And I think we've seen some folks take another look at how they manage their program. I think it would be fair to say, and maybe you could counter this, but uh, if you had a dedicated program and dedicated assets, you have probably fared better than navigating the uh, open market as it relates to rates, capacity, and the ability to deliver. Yeah, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. I mean, the people we've been hearing from uh, who are who have been in the most trouble this year are the people who were, were deciding to play more in the spot market and, and didn't have that dedicated capacity. And, and quite frankly, the ones who really didn't treat their carriers as well as they should have. 
shockingly, capacity wasn't there for them when they needed it. And so, um, you know, we've been hearing about people getting calls from companies that they haven't dealt with in 10 years, you know, begging for some help uh, as, as we approach the holiday season here. Um, wanted to also talk a little bit about the trucking side, because as you approach 22, you know, what, what do you think the, um, the environment's going uh, to give for us? Because you still have trucking rates very, very high and capacity is still at a premium. That's a great point. Uh, one of the recent podcasts where we had a, a great round table, I think there was some uh, optimistic, may, maybe too optimistic outlooks in regards to when this might shake itself out and dare I say return, return to a new normal. Um, that, that sort of impact, I think we're a couple of years out. Uh, for, right, right at this moment, you know, we are, have seen, I would say, a prioritization of certain lanes and products. And what I mean by that is a lot of the flatbed work that we have seen has tried to find an alternative way, uh, whether it's based on backhaul economics or head haul or combination thereof, we've seen a lot of flatbed opportunities trying to transition to a transloading solution. And I think it's wise of them because up here in the Northeast, flatbedding is extremely cyclical as well as seasonal. And that winter impact, uh, we're seeing folks looking out into the 2022 year, uh, whether it's you know, a variety of products, I won't mention names, but there's a lot of folks that I think the, uh, the backhaul logistics or what used to exist for that get home money just does not exist anymore. So they're taking a look at uh, transload solutions and we're looking at some pretty creative workarounds, whether that's dual access with class ones or a dedicated program coming off of a short line. So we're excited to try to bring some of those solutions to the marketplace. Interesting. Now, what about as we look out until maybe the back half of the year, we just had a you know $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill passed. Granted, it's not all regular infrastructure, but as, as, as you being a transport guy, me being a transport guy, you know, a decade overdue. So we finally got some money. You're in Pennsylvania, they're getting a good chunk of it. What does that mean for your business? Well, uh, I hope that it means opportunity. Uh, I agree with you, it's long overdue. Um, I don't think increasing the weight of trucks or reducing the age of truck drivers is necessarily an answer. Um, rail, as we know, funds a significant portion of their own maintenance and, and uh, ability to operate where we as taxpayers uh, pay that burden or bear that burden and cost. Um, you know, Pennsylvania is notorious. Uh, we have a high density, uh, maybe the highest density of short lines in the, in the country. We're notorious for having uh, undergraded infrastructure. So uh, last reports I saw, I mean, a lot of our bridges and uh, overpasses were being graded with a C or below, which is really an urgent matter. But uh, you can't just snap your fingers and make these grants happen. So it's great that federally we are paying attention to uh, the infrastructure, as we've all seen the lack of uh, reliability and maybe the fragileness that has come to light uh, across all supply chains here through the pandemic. It's great that Pennsylvania is focused on rebuilding, not just roads, bridges, um, our access and connectivity from uh, what waterways we do have uh, connected to the rails and this inland port uh, phenomenon, which is still uh, moving forward here in the state of Pennsylvania as well. So I'm optimistic that it'll help us move more steel It'll help us move more aggregate. It'll help us uh, maybe move some more asphalt products. Um, so it's, it's all opportunity. And, and as you know, um, when we talk logistics, it's nice to be 
close to the project. So from my perspective, Northeastern PA has quite a bit of projects slated and some uh, funds allocated. We're hoping to uh, contribute to um, you know, making sure we can get everybody to work and start improving this infrastructure. Now, in terms of the planning on the transportation side of it, when do they start planning for these projects? How many months in advance do they secure the transportation typically? I think it depends on the nature of the project. Uh, for something like, we'll say power generation or uh, whether that be natural gas uh, power plants or windmills, because we have quite a few uh, wind farms up here. I think those projects due to the CapEx have a little bit longer lead time. Um, I think once we start to see the allocations and the projects really be identified at that point, we'll start to see the shakeout in uh, who the contractors are. And unfortunately, um, a lot of times the logistics and the procurement is left up to, we'll say, a general contractor who is great at building a road or building a bridge, not necessarily geared at um, logistics and how to manage the transportation program, not just to keep costs down, but to make sure that material is accessible and reliably uh, you know, brought to the work site so that it's ready to go into service. So do you agree that you're probably not going to see any of that business to maybe the latter half of next year? I think so. I think there's going to be a lot of sourcing exercises, if you will. We have a tendency sometimes to see one project and then deal with, say, five, six, eight different contractors who are working on that project. So we sit in a unique seat where, um, you know, we, we hope to have the gravity to have the freight and the products come through our network. But there's no guarantee, right? In a lot of cases, we see it just trucked in because that used to be the simple, easy answer. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for our side, with steel wheels and rail, maybe it's not going to be so easy this go around. Understood. Wanted to wanted to touch on service. Um, service has been an issue, I think, throughout transportation. Uh, I mean, I think you, you were saying before we started this that you're very fortunate to be served by a lot of good short lines. Talk a little bit about the service that you received. Absolutely. So um, it's a uh, gift and a curse to uh, be where we're located in the supply chain. We're usually the last to know and uh, the first to have to respond. Uh, we do have um, very fortunate positioning, like I mentioned in Pennsylvania, where we have a high concentration of short line railroads. Uh, so we have great working relationships with our regional railroads and we have the Norfolk Southern and the CSX predominantly up here in our uh, little corridor. Um, and they've been dealing with a lot of the same challenges that we have. Uh, some of the terminals have bigger problems because they're bigger terminals, but being a smaller terminal doesn't mean that we are agnostic to a lot of those issues. So whether we talk about labor, access to labor, um, inflation or labor wages, or uh, just the ability to provide reliability on scheduling, that's something we don't necessarily control. So we've put a big emphasis on setting up, you know, communication paths to call audibles, essentially, is what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. If we're going to get a train or if we're not going to get a train, how do we make adjustments to make sure that our customers have what they need? And then as well, keep our guys busy because we can't, our folks, I should say, we can't just send them home uh, because we didn't get a train, right? So that makes it challenging, but it's been a balancing act between service and still needing to um, maintain you know, the facility to the levels that we need, especially right now in wintertime. You know, knock on wood, we've had a little bit of back and forth with the freeze thaw, but traditionally up here in northeastern PA, 
Old Man Winter sets in, and uh, it can be quite a challenge to maintain the terminal, as we've seen in years past. Well, I don't want to start celebrating here in the Northeast of the lack of uh, bad winter weather just yet, because you and I both know it could change in a matter of one week's time. And next thing you know, we have you know, a foot and a half of snow on the ground. So um, fingers crossed there on that one. Um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't want to talk about the sort of the more energy side of your business. You serve the Marcellus. Talk a little bit about that and, and, and how sort of the dynamics have changed over the last couple of years. Sure. You know, it's a bright spot uh, in energy right now. Uh, specifically, as it relates to energy, we sit in what is referred to as the dry gas pocket of the Marcellus Shale. And that means that we produce a very high quality uh, gas composition, you know, 97, 98% methane. So we are pedigree or purebred here, if you will, not like, uh, unlike other plays and shale plays where you have a variety of uh, products through coming back up through production, we are dry gas and dry gas alone. So that's great for our access into New England. We are seeing a tremendous amount of truckload traffic going into New England, hauling uh, compressed natural gas, and more so over the last few years of LNG, which is the liquid natural gas, which has a, a much higher density. Uh, so great for shipping. Um, you know, the natural gas futures have been strong. So we've seen a lot of capital uh, allocated to uh, large projects, as well as uh, the groups that are here have been committed to steady production, which is great because it creates a little less volatility and variability in planning. So it's great to have 12 months on the calendar, but traditionally, you know, they've worked 10 months out of the year uh, with some slow periods. This year, we are still going strong and we've seen activity all the way up until the holiday here. So that is kind of out of the normal, if you will, over the last few years cycle. And uh, we're excited about 2022. We're hearing a lot of uh, projects relating to compression, additional drilling, additional completions of wells, which for us, is all positive. It's going to keep products moving and it's going to keep crews working. When's the last time you've seen this much sort of, um, uh, I guess, business being percolating in the in the Northeast? We've seen a couple of boom and bust cycles uh, here in the last few years. Um, I think you'll you'll appreciate this, Jason. Uh, the activity in the mergers and acquisitions market has been quite steady. And uh, that, that I think is a really good barometer of the fact that these businesses plan on being busy and making investments. And for us being a component in that supply chain, uh, whether we're handling frac sand, whether we're handling pipe or crane mats or friction reducers, it's, it's all positive because they're keeping a bit in the ground and, and they're keeping these rigs working. Well, that's good. Well, Thomas, well, here's, uh, here's to a strong 2022 for all of us. Thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you, your family, and everybody else out there. Thank you, Jason. I want to just take an opportunity to say thank you to all my uh, Shale Rail and Northeast Freight Transfer family uh, team members. Keep it going, guys.